Hi, and welcome to Take Care Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gill, I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy for Catholic Studies Academy. And today we are going to do a little bit of what I like to think of as more like calculus. Um, <laughs> I like to think of uh, Catholic morality uh, very similar. I think a good analogy to understand Catholic morality is uh, to look at math. Some math is very simple. Two plus two is four. Four plus four is eight. Uh, but there's other math that's more like calculus. Uh, it's e- is, it is as equally as true as two plus two is four. It's just a little bit harder to get to. <laughs> it takes some more steps. It takes some more training. And today that's what we're going to look at with the principle of double effect. Uh, so in Catholic morality, uh, we have, uh, and especially we talked about this last week, that one of the things that um, I think distinguishes uh, uh, church doctrine and uh, the understanding of the church's teachings is that she cares deeply about the moral, uh, the morality of human actions, which is what we talked about last week. Uh, and so we want to continue that discussion today. Um, and we also, and we want to look particularly at what the church calls the principle of double effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tool to, that we can use to analyze the morality of human actions uh, in very specific cases. And again, as I, as I said in the beginning, it's what I like to think of. It's more like calculus than maybe simple <laughs> math. It still mm-hmm. is equally as true. Uh, it's just a little bit harder uh, to get to. Um, so, Dr. Smith, uh, why don't you get us started? Maybe uh, give us a quick review uh, of what we uh, discussed last week and maybe give sure. us an introduction to what the principle of double effect is. You got it, man. So, the, um, uh, you're right, Jason. Sometimes the principle of double effect has kind of this notorious reputation for obscurity <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and for splitting hairs. But it's actually important, uh, I think, as, as we'll yeah. see as we go, go, go forward. The, the morality of, uh, assessing the morality of human action, you know, requires us to look at all of the morally appraisable elements of a human action. That's the way to think mm-hmm. about it. So a human action includes the very thing being done, which is the object. Um, it includes the intention, right? So um, that is uh, what's intended beyond the object of the action. So right. kind of your ultimate motive, why you did the action would be a way of saying it. Um, and then the circumstance of the action involve uh, all those things, the properties or um, uh, circumstances that stand around the action, right? So mm-hmm. uh, time and place and the con- the further consequences of the action. Sure. Um, those are where all of the, the circumstances stand. So you, you're going to look at the intended end, you're going to look at the object of the action, and then you're going to look at the circumstances. Um, including uh, the consequence of the action. <clears throat> now, it's important that you do this, I think, mm-hmm. and it's um, important that you think about all of the different elements, right? Uh, because, you know, if you don't, if you can't assess what is a good or evil action, then really all of the other elements of moral life and moral philosophy break down, right? You mm-hmm. might say, and some people sometimes say, well, let's not worry so much about the casistry, right, of an action. Let's just talk about the general morality of someone's life, right, or whether they have a good or bad character. Well, here's the thing is, how do you determine whether a character is good or bad or not? Well, what you would say is, you know, that someone's character is good if they're disposed to do, perform good actions, and bad if they're disposed to do bad actions. But then then you have to still say, well, what is a good action? What's a bad action, right? So you can't get away from... um, this issue of determining that that all of the other moral considerations, many of which are important, right? I Mm -hmm. think, you know, character is very important. Still, ultimately, you have to come down to, at some point, right, you know, concrete human actions and how you can tell whether a a human action is good or bad. So like we talked about last time, all of those moral elements have to be lined up and have to be good in order for an action to be good. Again, the action itself, right, it's the very thing being done, the uh, intended end and the circumstances. What's unique, I think, to classical ethics, right? Kind of natural law ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that's unique is the insistence that some actions are evil in their object. So right. as I said last time, the primary way in which we distinguish the morality of human action or the first and most kind of foundational 
is the object of the action, right? Whether the action is good or bad in itself. Now that said, um, that doesn't mean that we ignore the consequences. In fact, right. the assessment of the consequences is very important in the assessment of a human action. Um, and, and sometimes really complicated. <laughs> right? And I think that's where the principle of double effect comes in. I think sometimes people think the principle of double effect is sort of trying to save the theory or trying to kind of get out of difficult situations. I think that, that that's kind of wrong headed. I think the principle of double effect is a demonstration of the kind of seriousness of uh, the problem uh, of the approach, right? That is, yeah, the, absolutely. The, yeah. the the moralist who developed this approach, Saint Thomas and Saint Alphonse Gori and others, you know, they recognize that life is complicated, right? <laughs> and that often in this veil of tears, we have to engage in activity that, from a abstract point of view, we might not want to, right? Yeah. But that we still have in the in this in in, in reality, we have to. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the for the Christian, you know, the the easy choices are the ones that are between good and evil. Those are fairly easy, you know, but it's the, the harder choices are the ones that are between, you know, what's good and what's good. And mm -hmm. even in some of those cases, when doing what is good, there are going to be uh, foreseeable bad consequences. You know, yeah. many times, you know, we'll make choices that that are, you know, just think about how you spend your money. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, I have to, you know, fix my roof. I'd rather have, you know, this other thing. I'd rather do this other thing. But, you know, like you, you, ha you have to weigh all of these, all of these different choices. It's a very light example. But mm -hmm. um, uh, there's, you, when, when we look at the consequences of, of our actions, um, the, the hard ones are, mm -hmm. are going to be the ones where there's, where there's uh, good but there is going to be foreseeable problems. And then, yeah, and again, right. I think it's also, you know, the church being mother, the church isn't just saying, well, you know, do whatever you feel is best. I mean, mm -hmm. no, the church is saying, okay, this is a serious, this is a serious thing uh, enough to where we're going to, uh, the, in the church's tradition has devoted uh, actually quite a lot of um, uh, mm -hmm. research, writing studies and, sure. you know, uh, uh, lives of the saints, writings of the saints to, um, to these moral principles and developing them in a way that we can use them to uh, uh, authentically judge uh, the, the, the morality of a human action. Right, right, yeah. And so we, yeah, when you're thinking about it, you know, like the difficulty here comes in, like you said, with a good action. The actions say, could you have an, an action that's good in itself, but has consequences that are evil? Right. Yeah. So just think about that for a minute. Think about another situation. We have said, we said in, the, in our last podcast, uh, last episode, that it's sometimes an evil consequence corrupts what would be a morally good action. Right. Sure. Does that make yeah. sense? Um, so um, that, that would, that's a situation where, um, you know, like, Let's say that you were like wanting to watch a football game, right? And watching a football game in itself is morally permissible. Right. But under these circumstances, it means that you're not going to get your um, your work done for school the next day, right? Or the work you've been assigned by your boss is not going to get done, right? Well, because of that evil consequence, you'd actually say, in this circumstance, right? watching the game is not morally permissible, right? Does, right. does that make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to be uh, um, failing in your duty uh, as a student or your duty as an employee. Yeah, um, and, the, and, and the important distinction there is that the circumstances do not change the nature of the object, mm -hmm. but the circumstances can affect the whole mor the morality of the whole human action. Sure, sure. So right. the object still remains, always has to remain good. Um, but the circumstances can can change some reality of human well, action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that one, what will happen, right, is the circumstance has made your concrete watching of the game bad. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, under, normal, under other circumstances, it'd be okay. But in this circumstance, it's not. Now, that said, we shouldn't jump to the conclusion then that evil consequences always corrupt yeah. an otherwise good action, right? So I'm trying to be clear and careful here, right? Sometimes an evil consequence will make an otherwise good action mm -hmm. bad, 
right? right? Um, it's uh, I want to be clear. Um, good consequences don't make an intrinsically evil action good. Okay? <laughs> so yeah. we're talking about the case where there's a good action mm-hmm. and evil consequences, mm-hmm. right? Now, some might automatically just say, anytime there's an evil consequence, the action is bad, right? Right. The consequentialist and, may say that. That's right. Yeah. A consequentialist would say that. Uh, and we have to say that that's, that's too simplistic. Right. Uh, and, 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 and frankly, kind of practically naive. Um, it's just the case that in this world, we're going to sometimes doing the right thing. This is going to be hard to accept, right? Sometimes doing the right thing will carry with it evil consequences. Yeah. Right. That's tough and it's unfortunate, you know, but we have to remember we live in a fallen world, right? We don't live in heaven, right? And uh, we have to deal with those situations where, again, the right, sometimes doing the right thing, the right thing to do carries with it, right? Consequences that are evil. Assessing when it's, when it's possible to do that, yeah. when the, doing the right thing carries with it evil consequences, that's what the principle double effect is all about. It's all yep. about trying to figure out when is it permissible to do a good action that carries with it evil consequences? Does that make sense, Jason? Yeah, yeah, and and it's I think first important for the uh, for the Christian to to first if you if you know many times the principle of double effects is ap- applied to very serious matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so it's important to look at everything, um, and it's important to uh, be clear as to, to, okay, what are, what are going to be the consequences? What are my intentions? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Because again, the, 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 as we go through this, we'll see that the, when we're talking about uh, a foreseeable evil, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that it has to to lie in the consequences. That's right. Uh, We need to make sure that it is not in the intention, that it is not in the object itself. Um, And so, so, yeah. So, what are some, what are some maybe kind of the the some of the first principles of the principle of double effect? Sure. So, just I just want to make a distinction real quick that you yeah. kind of alluded to here, which is not everything that flows from an action is the intended end. So, in scholastic right. ethics and classical ethics, we distinguish between uh, the intended end, which is a consequence in a sense, sure. right? But it's the intended end versus foreseeable but unintended consequences right yeah the the intention the intended end is psychologically your motivation right so the psychological root of the action um right it's what brings forth the action in the first place it's your target it's what you're shooting for right yeah um that's different from what you can foresee will flow from the action right but is uh, so it's foreseeable but it's not uh, intended. So that's an important distinction there. Yeah, and if, and if it's kind of muddy for our listeners, don't worry, we're going to get into some examples here examples, in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so there's four... It is there's, quite complicated. Right, yeah, there's four properties or four mm-hmm. conditions for the principle of double effect. So you can think of these as conditions that have to be satisfied for an action that's good to be permissible even with evil consequences, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's what we're trying to understand. When is it permissible for an action that's good to be done, even though there are evil consequences that accompany it? Right. Uh, there's four conditions here. One is that the action itself must be good. So there we right. start with that, right? We're not talking about doing evil for the sake of good, okay? The Never good may come of it, right? That's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the end does not justify the means necessarily, right? Right. The end can corrupt the means, <laughs> but it can't justify it. Um, so there's the good, the action must be good in itself. The good effect must be independent of the bad effect. I'll mm. say more about that in a minute. Three, the bad, the third, the bad effect must not be intended, right? Mm-hmm. So you foresee it, but it's not what your motive is. And then four, um, the evil effect must not be disproportionate, right, right. to the good accomplished. So probably the two, so, you know, like the, the first and third one seem to me fairly simple in yeah, a way. Sure. First, just the action has to be good, right? That, that's where we always start in a Catholic 
or you know kind of just really classical analysis that it has mm-hmm. to be good in itself mm-hmm. if we if we uh, if the action's bad in itself then you know i think you said last time we could just stop right you know like yeah yeah the right. process stop um, the third condition is that the bad effect must not be intended so you must not be aiming for that right uh, as your as your end right the right. evil effect so but the third the second and fourth one have to do with the good effect has to be independent of the evil effect and the fourth one, um, it has to have uh, the evil effect can't be disproportionate to the good achieved. So what you need to do when you're thinking about this, that's a little more complicated, right? So what you need to yeah. do when you're thinking about this is to think of, of an action, a thing you're doing, and that from that thing that you're doing, um, several foreseeable consequences follow, right? right? Um, several uh, effects follow from that action, okay? Mm-hmm. So let me kind of flesh this out. I'll take a relatively benign example. Let's say that uh, you're an unmarried man and you are pursuing uh, uh, marriage, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to uh, secure a marriage with a particular woman. And so you're courting her, uh, you're dating her, that sort of thing. Um, you know also that um, you know, ultimately, you're trying to secure, uh, you know, a, a, a accepted proposal, right? <laughs> Marriage, right? Usually so, cool. That's right. So, but you also know that your uh, your beloved is the uh, is not only the object of your attention and affection, but also pursued by other suitors, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So there's a yeah, there's competition, right? Um, so, but let's say that you win, right? That is, you do uh, contract the marriage. Um, you do enter into marriage, right, uh, with that person. One of the foreseeable consequences is that the other suitors are going to be depressed and disappointed. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not hopefully why <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you entered into marriage with a particular woman, right? You didn't to crush the souls of other men. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You didn't. You did. You didn't you like initiate a marriage with her in order to disappoint Bill. Right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're sort of like, I'm, you know, too bad for Bill, you know, uh, yeah. you know, but the, what I was aiming for is the marriage state and all the blessings that follow from the, the, the marriage state, right? It's independent of your intention. That's right. And, and, and so yeah. that's, I'm not intending the evil, but also Bill's disappointment isn't what brings about the good effect of the fruits of marriage. Does that make sense? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're the, the good, the blessings of marriage are independent of Bill's disappointment. Yeah. Okay, they're not causally dependent. And frankly, the disappointment of Bill isn't, it's not so evil that it count, that it outweighs the goods that flow from marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's not like, you know, the, the losers get annihilated or something. Like That's, that. right. That's right. <laughs> they can go on to try to pursue other marriages, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that sort of thing, right? You could do the same, run the same kind of example with employment, right? When sure. You, can, you know, oh, you yeah, yeah. with any job opening, there's, you know, sometimes depending on the, the nature of the job, it could be anywhere from tens to hundreds of people applying for sure. that position, right? Sure. And if you get that position, that means excluding other people from that position, right? Yeah. And that even might be economically significant for the other people, right? Like imagine you're in a, you know, an economic, a period of economic uh, difficulty, right? The fact that you beat out somebody else might mean that other person can't afford to pay their mortgage. Yeah. That's, 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 that's pretty serious, right? Of course, you might not be able to pay your mortgage if you didn't get the job, <laughs> right? So, but you could say is, look, the thing itself, trying to get a job, that's morally good. Mm-hmm. The effect of it is that you'll be able to pay your mortgage, support your family. That's what you're intending. Uh, that's a good action. Uh, um, you're not intending, right, um, the impoverishment of your competitors. Right, right. right. And the impoverishment of, your, of the competitors is not the cause of you, right, yeah. uh, being able to pay your mortgage. That's important. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that's a, a, a fairly uh, simple example uh, there. Um, does, does all that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And again, it's to show the independence of the, mm-hmm. the, the good action and mm-hmm. the evil consequence or the bad consequence that may come right. uh, uh, 
naturally from it, you know, playing sure, it out. Sure. What, 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 are, what is going to happen if I do this? That's right. That's right. You know? Yeah. So uh, I think if you want to look at all the conditions together, that's helpful. And if we just kind of, I think, kind of work through some examples, uh, we'll work through a couple of examples here to try to, to illustrate the, the how this is applicable and then maybe deal with a criticism or two at the end. But sure. some of these examples, I think, are <clears throat> more concrete to our ordinary lives. Uh, some are more about kind of geopolitical kind of things, uh, but all of them, uh, all the examples I think are, are helpful here. The principle of double effect is especially useful, I think, in military ethics. Yeah. And we should actually think about this before we get on Facebook and start ranting our opinions. Okay, <laughs> people have a tendency. But that's one right? of the pre the, one of the prerequisites to posting on Facebook is that you don't think about you it. You don't think about it first. <laughs> that's right. Emotion, it's just pure that's right. emotion. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, if I hate the president, the present administration, you know, of a given country, then you know, it's just it's just obvious, right, that everything yeah. that, that that administration does is evil, right? Um, so, um, uh, so obviously military matters, right? Uh, that we have to talk about military ethics at all is unfortunate, right? Yeah. Um, with, you know, as uh, we've talked about before, it's possible to be a virtuous soldier, um, those sorts of things. Um, and, and the church, you know, and, and, you know, kind of classical ethics in general is not pacifistic, right? It's not a pacifist approach. Right. Um, but, um, you know, obviously we wish it were the case that there were no wars, right? <laughs> you know, you wish it were the case that, that you could just disband all, all, you know, the military never, or never even have to talk about military ethics, but it's not the case. Um, and, and, you know, so we have to deal with how do we act well and morally within <clears throat> the, uh, undesirable situation of a, of a war or military conflict. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, the scholastic theologians spent a ton of time actually really trying to think this through with a lot of care, uh, yeah. which I think is, is important. So probably the, the best way to think of this is with the issue of collateral damage. So yeah. you, you'll hear that sometimes in a, a, like a news broadcast or maybe read it as a news story with respect to a military action. Um, so, you know, imagine our, you know, uh, long-term military engagement in Afghanistan or, um, more remotely maybe in uh, Iraq, um, that sometimes you'd hear the phrase collateral damage used. Mm -hmm. Collateral damage has to do with when non-combatants are not targeted, mm -hmm. but end up being killed as a result of otherwise legitimate military action. Right. So let's say, let me give you a concrete example. Let's say that you are targeting a military uh, fortification uh, dug in area um, that is in an urban area um, mm -hmm. where there are other citizens, where there are non-combatants around. Does that make, my scenario sure. make sense? Yeah. Okay. And so you launch uh, an attack, maybe an artillery attack or something like that, or airstrike against that installation. In most circumstances, that's a legitimate military action, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. with the provisio, the qualification, right, that you're pursuing a just war. Yeah. You know, you, you, you win a war by and pursue a just war by attacking the enemy, right? So, uh, attack, you know, launching that attack against um, that installation is legitimate, would be considered legitimate military action. Mm -hmm. um, but because it's in an urban environment, it's also foreseeable that, you know, war is violent, <laughs> you know, yeah. large artillery shells falling on installation, blowing up buildings causes widespread damage. Yeah. Um, even if you try to be as precise as possible, right? These are, you know, weapons of destruction, right? And so it's foreseeable that some non-combatants will get killed, right? Yeah. Does that make the military action, is that, a, is that sufficient? to make the military action illegitimate. And I think what we want to say is not necessarily, right? We'd have to look at all these conditions. So first, is attacking uh, an enemy installation, an enemy position, uh, legitimate in a just war? And mm -hmm. in itself, we'd have to say yes, so it meets the first condition. Yeah. Second, does the good effect, right? Ultimately, hopefully, you know, victory, right? Mm -hmm. 
is it independent of the evil effect? So what we'd all agree that the death of non-combatants is evil. That is, it's undesirable. Right. Um, is the good effect independent of the evil effect? And I think in this case, we can say, yeah, it is actually, right? That yeah. is the, the, it's not the death of the non-combatants that leads to the victory, right? Right. right? right. It's the destruction of the enemy's military that leads to the victory. So although we don't want the death of the non-combatants, the, non-combat, the death of non-combatants here isn't a means to the victory, right? So that the victory is independent of, that's the good effect, independent of the evil effect, which is the death of the non-combatants. Um, ostensibly, right, you would, of course, you know, the bad effect has to be not intended. So you can't be sort of like, I really want to get this military installation so that we can kill some non-combatants, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, that, that, if that's your intention, then, then the action has been corrupted. You know, imagine that you just sort of have like a hatred for, a, you know, a particular group of people or something like that. You know, then, then you know, like you might say, okay, well, that, that's bad. Like you can't do it then, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, that's what 9-11 was, you know, sure. uh, a particular group targeting non-combatants right, right, to, right. to specifically hit at uh, a country that they, that they hated, a people hated, that, right, they, right. that they hated. You right. know, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's a lot different than um, uh, uh, targeting a specific house or something like that, that mm-hmm. we know an, an enemy combatant is in right, that right. may happen to be surrounded by uh, um, uh, non-combatants. Right. Very so- different. Yeah, and then the final one is uh, the evil effect can't be disproportionate to the good achieved. Right, right. This is difficult to assess. Obviously, the loss of innocent human life, the loss of non-combatants is a very serious matter. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, hopefully you had a serious reason to go to war in the first place, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the victory of a just war does... Um, I think outweigh the foreseeable but unintended death of some non-combatants. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you have to you have to be careful there. It doesn't justify anything, right? Yeah. If you're going to be taking out a relatively minor uh, enemy position, right, and it's going to cost the lives of you know several thousand <laughs> non-combatants, then you would say we shouldn't do that. Right. Yeah, like a like a nuclear weapon. I mean, the the, the <laughs> right. goal of a nuclear weapon is just mass destruction right, and right. death and carnage. Yeah, you can't say, well, there's you know, uh, let's just say Osama bin Laden's still alive. Well, he's in Afghanistan. We should drop a nuclear bomb. We will definitely kill Osama bin Laden. But we'll also, you know, all of Afghanistan will be wiped right, off the. Right, fi- right, right. We're not going to do that, you know. And and there's even you even hear other examples of you know uh, where. Uh, uh, enemy combatants even you know hide in hospitals or orphanages mm-hmm. and things like that the united states still in in cases like that uh, uh don't engage in that kind of thing because again the disproportionate right, nature right. of the bad effect to yeah. the good effect they probably, they may wait uh, they may do something else probably one of the more controversial issues i'll just bring it up because it's it's interesting to think about right of course is uh you know the use of nuclear uh, weapons, right? Because they don't do a good job of distinguishing between combatants and non-combatants. <laughs> no. They're called weapons of mass destruction for a reason. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd have to really wonder about whether or not such things could be used. Now, I know that actually there are some highly differentiated kinds of warheads and weapons. And sure. You could maybe imagine, you know, maybe some small scale things being used in very specific cir- circumstances. But, you know, um, overall, it's, you know, you'd say in most cases, or almost all cases, if not most, then, uh, you know, such weapons shouldn't be used uh, because right. of the uh, the disproportionate evil, right, that's, that's struck. I think one that's kind of interesting to think about is the firebombing of Dresden in World War II. It's pretty notorious mm-hmm. uh, action, you know, that was committed by the Allies against the, the, the city the city. Dresden in Germany, um, the you know the firebombing is a specific kind of attack that's that's massive, right? It doesn't distinguish between um, combatants and non-combatants at all. You're just basically yeah. trying to burn down a whole area, yeah. um, regardless of who's in it. 
Now, I don't think we need to be overly, I mean, if there's gonna be military action, things are going to get rough sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's a good reason to be very hesitant <laughs> to get into them. But uh, but yeah, it's complicated and the way you'd have to assess that is, is by working through the, the principal devil effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get at something maybe a little more close to home, a little more um, common. Sure. Uh, what about arresting someone, right? Yeah. Um, arresting somebody who's committed a crime. Well, if you think about it, um, that's a, you know, uh, let's say that you've gone through all the right procedures, right? Mm-hmm. So you have good reason to think this person needs to be arrested or, you know, at least arraigned, um, you know, taken, taken to jail um, to be tried, right? Yeah. So you have, you've gone through the legal procedures that both respect the rights of the citizens and help you, you know, make sure you have good evidential, you know, uh, right, right. processes and all that sort of thing. So this was a good arrest, right? Now you think about when you arrest someone, you're, you're taking away their freedom, yeah. at least temporarily, right? That's what it means to arrest them, right? You think about, you know, the cuffs literally get put on your hands, right? You're, you're not allowed free. to go where you want to go, right? Yeah. Um, so in some cases, that's a good thing because we don't want you to get away. We need to figure out something about you, whether or not you're sure. guilty or something. And let's say maybe we do find out that you're guilty and that you're tried, you know, and then you're imprisoned, okay? Well, the good effect there, right, is um, that justice be upheld in society, that society be protected, um, all those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, punishing a malefactor is good in itself, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it has a good effect of upholding justice within society, uh, as well as other things. Um, but there are also some evil effects, right, yeah. of imprisoning someone. Sure. Um, one of them certainly is going to be that it can have a negative effect on the malefactor's family, right? Yeah. You might, you know, the malefactor, the criminal in, in question, might be the primary breadwinner of that family. Um, he might might not be a terrible guy. He might be, you know, just a criminal. In you know, so like his par- his uh, children and his wife are going to lose, you know, his support, his help, his you know, um, comfort, and all those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it brings notorious reputation upon the family. All those sorts of things, right? So there's a lot of evil effects that happen to the family sure. of a malefactor when we imprison him. Mm-hmm. Does that make the imprisonment of of malefactors wrong, Jason? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, a good a good way to avoid those kinds of effects is don't commit the crime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember, uh, you know, recently, Jason, we went through some some controversial issues where it was just all of this, you know, kind of um, just outrage, right, over um, people being separated from their children for having mm. committed a crime, yeah. right? If you can, yeah. yeah, if you commit a crime, right, like this is something that happens. It's a it's yeah. it's sad, right? It's tragic. But those are the consequences of, of the crime, right? Right. It doesn't make the action bad. So although we can sympathize with and uh the suffering of a family that is caused by um you know the imprisonment of a family member, imprisonment of a father, imprisonment of the uh you know husband at the same time we can we have we can say look you know justice needs to be upheld justice is essential right. to the common good right. the common goods greater than the individual good and so although it's unfortunate right that yeah. you know the children are deprived of their father and that a family is deprived of his you know uh support uh his imprisonment is not an effect right of the suffering of the children. <laughs> His exactly. imprisonment uh, exactly. is not disproportionate to the evil done. Um, and, you know, uh, the, in itself, it's a good action, right? That the, that the malefactor be punished. Does that example make sense to you, Jason? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and even in, you know, you know, our current, you know, uh, legal system, you know, not, not every crime is arrestable. That would be, mm. that would be completely unjust. You sure, know, it'd be sure, like, sure. you know, like, like Footloose or something, or you know, uh, you're, uh, you're going to jail for dancing, you know, or something like that. We don't, 
like that's that's completely uh, uh, disproportionate. Like the mm. the the evil committed of of dancing to you know the the removal of the breadwinner from the like that's 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 a ridiculous example. That sure, would be sure. something like that, or even you know uh, uh, speeding or something like that. We don't arrest people for speeding uh, and things right. because yeah. uh, again the ne- the the negative and bad effects of mm. the arrest and everything else that flows from that. Is completely disproportionate from you know going 10 miles over the speed limit sure, uh, sure so you know in in your example you know there is the you know the uh, the issue of proportionality and stuff but sure, it, sure. but it is but like you said you know in, in you know in, in cases where you know they they are committing according to our legal system an arrestable offense mm-hmm. uh justice has to be upheld uh in a way like you said that protects the common good and in, in the understanding that the common good um uh, it's 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 higher than the the individual good it's greater right right yeah i think that's important to bring in view um do we have time for one last example i know we're kind of running a little bit long here but yeah sure uh, okay so um one last example um i would say is uh, this might is it might be kind of a little bit complicated but so considered in itself right contraceptive the use of contraceptions right Mm Sometimes people think, it's kind of funny the way people think about this event, but like, let's say that you're talking about oral contraceptives, right? You know, if you're, I mean, it would be kind of a silly thing to do, but let's say that you were celibate, mm-hmm. right? And you just took contraceptives orally. <laughs> just, you just did it, right? Yeah. That, that's not sinful, actually. It's not, it's not the, it'd be kind of weird and pointless and useless, right? <laughs> but there's nothing in itself, right, that would be wrong. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is contraceptive sex, right? It's not, so, um, the uh, um, uh, so what we want to think about then is well, what about say the taking of a medication, mm-hmm. right? That has uh, a contraceptive side effect, mm-hmm. right? Now, notice I said side effect. Let's say that uh, it has some other medical benefit, some real medical benefit, right? Sure. Um, but it has the foreseeable but unintended consequence of rendering uh, marital actions non-fecund. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you could say there is that that is morally permissible, right? Mm-hmm. Again, on on the condition that the medication is having some good medical work, achievement, effect, that's not the result of the contraceptive effect. Does that make right. sense, right? Yeah, it's so, not intending it and the, the contraceptive, the abortive face side of it or the contraceptive no, side. The contraceptive, I think not, about, Sorry, sorry, the contraceptive yeah, side. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, the contraceptive side is not the cause of the good effect. That's right, that's right. It's yeah. not in the intention, not the cause. That's right, and it's it, it's the, the medical work being done there, right? Yeah. Is not uh, the contraceptive the contracepting, right, or the preventing yeah. of uh, of childbirth, right, or, or child, the conception of a child, excuse me, but rather um, some other, right, good medical effect, right? So right. that would be a situation where we could do that, um, where one could take a medicine that had that side effect unintended, right? Right, right, right. Um, you know, one last example, I, I know I said the last one was the last one, but just one more. Yeah, yeah, Let's just say you had a, uh, this happens, right, sometimes in families where you have a, an older child living in a family, maybe, right? That's like 18, 19, 20, something like that. You know, um, maybe going to college or getting training or you know, just sure. getting started. And so uh, if that child becomes uh, rebellious, right? Or uh, kind of morally vicious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is a parent justified, right? In banning that person from the home. Uh, right, sort of, in effect, exiling yeah. a child. Let's say it could also be like, let's say that you're, you, you know, maybe you're, you've moved out, but you're engaging in vicious behavior, publicly notorious. You know, can a parent exile you from the home? And I think, you know, obviously nobody wants to do that. No parent ever thinks, oh yeah, sure. I want to kick my kid out of the house, <laughs> right? I don't know. Sometimes um, I think that <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but you have to think, yeah. well. Are there, you know, that might be the right thing to do, though, right? Especially if you have younger children in the home, yeah. uh, who you don't want to, you know, 
be influenced badly or scandalized in the strict sense, mm -hmm. um, then you might say, okay, like I have to protect my younger children mm -hmm. from your behavior. And so you have to be removed from the home. Mm -hmm. The good effect there is the protection of the innocent. Now, are there going to be evil effects, you know, from, mm -hmm. from that, you know? Um, yeah, probably, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot of sorrow, a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of broken relationships yeah. uh, there that are tough, but right. You know, um, you can't, but, but it could still be, um, it could still be permissible, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're protecting your family, you know, again, the evil effect uh, you know, the good effect, the protection of the family doesn't flow from the anger or pain of the person. The good effect just flows, uh, you know, the person you've exiled. Um, the good of the good effect flows just from their absence, right? sure. not yeah. from, you know, uh, their exile or yeah, all the know, other bad effects, broken relationship. You don't, you're not yeah. breaking the relationship. You're, you're simply removing them from the home. And that's right. Yeah. yeah. And the pain, right. That's there that they're, that yeah. they're going to, uh, or anger. Um, I think this comes up, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, sometimes our friends maybe expect us to go along with something or support yeah, something, yeah, yeah. right? And you think, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, um, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and, and you know, that will, you know, maybe the, the you know, like, say, you say, let's say that you're, you can't, for a variety of reasons, can't go to your friend's wedding. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, you're like, you're, you're like, this is morally wrong, what you're doing for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to have some negative effects, but you have to think about sort of the, the, the bigger picture. Uh, there. Yeah. All right. I'll throw in my last example then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and we'll wrap this up because I want to make, I want to make kind of a, uh, uh, I think an important part when you're, you know, really discerning some of these situations. And, and this is probably, I think one of the most common ones you find on the internet, but I think it's, 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 it, it's good. Uh, and, and it's example and, illustrating this and that's the the the, the example of the um uh, the mother uh, oh, who right. finds herself uh pregnant uh with uterine cancer so the mm -hmm. so you have a woman who is um pregnant and at the same time she has uh, uh, uh her uterus has cancer in it mm -hmm. um the 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 mother's life is at stake uh which means the baby's life is at stake as uh, also uh and so the the doctor says well the the procedure um, in this case is uh, to remove the cancer and the survival mm -hmm. rate is actually fairly high um, because the cancer, as long as the cancer is fairly uh, uh, um, located in that one spot. Right. Um, so the, um, the intention is to, to, to save both the, that the intention does have to be to save both the mom and the baby if possible. Uh, the, 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 the action is going to be removing the cancerous uterus mm -hmm. and uh, one of the very, one of the very worst and bad consequences, you know, it might be uh, the death of the child or, mm -hmm. you know, foreseeable uh, um, consequence is going to be the death of the child. Um, the church says that that is, that that is permissible because mm -hmm. the, the intention is not to kill the child. Right. The, 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 the death of the child is uh, um, uh, a, a bad consequence of the right. removal of the uterus, mm -hmm. um, but it is not in the intention and it's not in the action. And, and I think yeah. a good way when we're looking at, when we're looking at a, a situation, I mean, probably most of us will not be in this particular situation, but when we're looking at a situation, say, uh, uh, that can be compared to this. When you look at, say, the bad consequence of the death of the child, maybe maybe say remove that say okay what if that bad if that bad consequence was not there would the action well, be bad what would yeah well or what would i what would the action be and and like in this case the the intention and the action would be exactly the same right, right you would right. intend to remove the cancer and the action would be surgically removing the cancerous uterus so the the so and, you know in that case you know you can really see a very, very bad effect, a very, very bad consequence right, right. of being independent from the action. Uh, um, and then, um, you know, something like that proportionally, that's, that's, that's a difficult one to, to work through. But I think, you know, in that case, sure. um, that's, I mean, that's, that's a whole lot different than say a mom who just says, 
well, I, I didn't, I didn't want a child and the child will be, uh, you know, something like that. You know, the child right, will be right. a complete. I think, yeah. So what, what you're not saying, Jason, right. Yeah. Let me be clear here is that, um, abortion in order to save the life of the mother is permissible. No, never. Okay. So I think it's going to be hard sometimes for people to see the difference between that and what you're yeah. saying. Right. Can yeah. you articulate that difference for us? Yeah, so so abortion is the direct the direct killing of an innocent human child uh, uh, right. uh, at whatever stage of of uh, mm -hmm. development. Um, the action here is the removal of a cancerous uterus. Right, right. It happens. the The consequence or, or the 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 circumstance. Right. Yeah. yeah. That that uterus happens to also be occupied by a fetus in a mm -hmm. particular stage of development. Mm -hmm. Right, right. The action here, but again, and that's why I say in our in our discernment of it, it's important maybe to to just for the sake of your own uh, mental processing to remove that bad consequence and say, well, you know, would I would I be doing something really different if right. that bad consequence was there? Right, right. No, I wouldn't. I, the, yeah. the procedure would be the same. But we can never intend. Mm -hmm. uh, we can never we can never have an, an abortion. Uh, to save the life of the mother. You can right. never intend or right. just, you know, uh, uh, say, well, we need to abort the baby and then it'll be fine. Right. I you think, can, yeah. You can never do that. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, that's right on, Jason. So one of the things you would say is, well, what's the direct action, right? Yeah. What's the thing itself being done, right? Is it directly re removal of a cancerous uterus or is it the termination of the fetus, right? If it's the yeah. termination of the fetus, then it can't be done. If it's, a, right. if it's another medical procedure that's otherwise morally good and it has the unintended and sad consequence of bringing about the termination of the fetus, then yeah, right? Yeah, um, the, the medical procedures are very different. That's in right, both exactly. of those cases. That's very They important. may have, and again, they may have, or the consequentialists would say, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, have, they have similar consequences. Right, uh, right. Um, so they're essentially equal. No, right. because we don't look at just the consequences. Just we don't just so, and another thing you want to bring out here is that the, in the case you're talking about, the good effect that is the preservation of the life of the mother, is not a is not a result of the evil effect. Right. 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 The the good the, the problem here isn't the child, right? The problem yeah. is. The cancerous uterus, right? So yeah. I think that's an important thing to bring about, right? To, to, to recognize, right? Is that the, the, the here saving the life of the mother is not an effect of terminating the fetus. Yeah, yeah, and the doctor can never intend that either. It, it right. still has to be, you know, it still has to always remain in. The, and you know, there, you know, hopefully, science can, you know, um, you know, uh, progress enough uh, to sure. where in the future. This is this is kind of a a, a long lost discussion, mm -hmm. you know, where we're able to save both uh, mm -hmm. uh, in that case. Mm -hmm. um, but but it, but again, it's you know, uh, uh, the church cares just very deeply about these moral issues uh, to the point where we will go into kind of this kind of detail and analysis, you know. Yeah. And and, and, and that's important for for Catholics to understand that it's not just you know. The, the reason why we have the principle of double effect is not just because, you know, scholars got bored with morality and they said, let's come up with something new to make it yeah. even more complicated. You know? <laughs> no, they, 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 they saw, you know, that there, there's, there's not a simplicity to human actions that sometimes mm -hmm. people think there is. Right. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think you have to at least say sometimes life is complicated, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you need a, a morally adequate, an adequate theory is one that, helps you to think through those complications, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I have very little sympathy with people who who sort of just want to fluff off this kind of analysis yeah. uh, as, oh, it's just too complicated, you know, uh, or you're just, you know, trying to, what are you talking about? Like, sometimes life is complicated, right? Like, yeah. the, the, the and, and we're faced with tough choices. Do you just want to say, well, when it's a tough choice, you just throw the dart against the wall and figure it out? Know, who knows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, no. Like, it's not just who knows, right? Uh, we need to do at least the best we can, right, to figure out the morally right thing to do if we're going to be ethically serious people. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is this this uh, this understanding, this this application, this seriousness. Again, I go back to you know my my analogy of math. You know, we don't mm. throw off the architect saying. Ah, 
this all these <laughs> angles and, and things you want to do this is way too complicated uh -huh. you know but at the same time you know like i can build a dog house i can't build a house i have to go mm -hmm. seek help mm -hmm. uh and, and that's important for the, for the christian as well you know if there's something that's you're you're stuck in a moral situation seek help but you know mm -hmm. don't go to you know neighbor bob just because you know you like bob and you know Bob has a nice house or something like that, but go to somebody that, that is an expert, somebody that, that would be a good guide when it comes to uh, uh, discerning moral decisions. Um, uh, we do have, while we may not always have the tools to discern correctly, what we do have is uh, the moral obligation to, uh, to seek guidance. Uh, uh, and the church is there to, to provide that guidance uh, uh, as a mother and um, uh, as caring for us. Um, so uh, again, I always go back to calculus. There's a difference <laughs> between calculus and simple math. Uh, it just, you know, just because uh, one is a little more difficult doesn't mean that it's less true or that we can simply set it aside because right. we, may, we may not be able to do it. Uh, it just means that, you know what, it's a little more difficult and we need a little more help. And the church mm -hmm. provides that help you know, in uh, um, the principle of double effect. Uh, Dr. Smith, any final, any final thoughts? No, I think uh, you hit it right on. I just, you know, um, I, um, I think this is a, a great heritage, you know, that's been passed down. You know, this, this, you know, both in the last episode we talked about assessing the moral, the, the moral elements of a human action, and then applying the principle of double effect uh, in, in this episode. You know, this is kind of classical scholastic ethics, uh, and it's useful, and it's rigorous, and it's detailed. Um, yeah. not just for the sake of being detailed, not just for the sake of being yeah. complicated or rigorous, uh, but because life is that way. And, uh, and in that way, I think it's, it's one of, it's a, it's one of the more, um, useful and helpful aspects of, uh, classical philosophy. Amen. All right, folks. Well, that does it for us today. Uh, in the meantime, check out all of our content over at catholicstudiesacademy.com. I just want to throw out there that uh, Dr. Smith will be rolling out a new course here in a few weeks. Yes. Uh, so be on the lookout uh, for that one. Uh, what are we doing uh, this time? Modern philosophy. Modern philosophy. Speaking yeah. of doing calculus. Uh, <laughs> it's some of this is great. just wrong math. <laughs> but, uh, uh, check out all of our content over at CatholicStudiesAcademy.com. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>